Amen, amen. Did you bring some praise for the Lord tonight? Oh, thank you, Redeemer. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, mighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My, I enjoyed that breather of the Holy Ghost in here, didn't you? Amen. So good to be here with you. It is indeed a pleasure of mine. I love and admire Elder Spell, and I am so appreciative of the opportunity, amen, to get to be around good men of God like this. I learned a few years ago that he was out at a book convention in Los Angeles, and I made sure that whenever he had a break at his book convention that my wife and I could go take him and Sister Spell out to eat. And we had a wonderful, wonderful time. All of us should cherish, amen, the days and the opportunity that we have to be with beautiful examples that God has given to us in the kingdom of God. Amen. Open up your Bible with me tonight, if you will. First Samuel chapter number 1 is my text that I want to preach from here tonight. I have thoroughly enjoyed the preaching that I have heard from Brother Alviar, Brother Booker, and uh, each one, the ministers, I uh, give honor to you tonight. I'm happy to be numbered with the redeemed. Aren't you? Hallelujah. Amen. I'm grateful about that. 1 Samuel chapter number 1, as you're finding your text, I was on a flight returning from a missions trip in Mexico last week, and as the uh, pilot got on the plane, or got on the uh, microphone there, speakers came across the intercom telling us that as we would be lifting out of Guadalajara, he said there uh, will be some turbulence that will hit, a little pocket of turbulence on, on the uh, outbound out of the city there of some storm clouds that were brewing. And he said, but uh, everybody just stay fastened in your seat. Everything will be fine, and uh, we won't have to endure that for very long. When we hit that pocket of turbulence, my wife came unglued. Amen. Every lip on the plane was moving. All those godless people that was guzzling all that alcohol on the last leg of the trip were suddenly Bible-thumping, praying people. Amen. I mean, they were evermore. Talking to God, doing the sign of the cross, it was really, really amazing to see such spirituality, instantaneous. And uh, I watched her as she slid down in her seat and began to cry and scream and, and carry on to high heavens. And I was trying to hold her hand. I said, babe, babe, he, he warned us about this. Didn't catch you by surprise. He he warned us about, I don't care, I want off, I want out, I want out, I want out. I want out. Amen. Sure enough, it smoothed out in just a little bit. Amen. So, 
If uh, we hit a bump or two here tonight, please don't crawl out of the plane. Amen. Stay off of the wings and keep the emergency doors in place. I promise you, amen, we'll land the plane all right. Is that okay with you? Amen. Nobody running for the doors. Glad to see you on board. 1 Samuel chapter number 1. Beginning at verse number 24, the Bible said, And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. The child was young and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore also have I lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. With the help of the Lord, I merely want to preach to you a little bit here tonight about uh, the life of Samuel is going to be our character that we're going to look at in the scripture and two incidences from his childhood and then two incidences from his old age. Because the Bible said it really don't matter how good you start out on the journey. The race is not to the swift. Neither the battle to the strong. But he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Hallelujah. So it's very, very important that when studying the life of a man, there's no finer example to study than the life of Samuel and his life. And I just want to entitle my thought tonight, The Spirit of Samuel. I want to have the Spirit of Samuel upon me. I want each one of you that are here, because I'm convinced if I'm going to see you in heaven, you got to get a portion of that spirit of Samuel upon you. Amen. We've all got to get a little bit of that spirit of that man of God upon us here. Would you lift your voice and pray with me together? Savior, we glorify and magnify the name of the Lord. We lift you up, sweet Savior. We lift you up with worship and praise, God. Thank you for singing. Thank you for liberty. Thank you for freedom in this house, God. Thank you, Lord, for the praise and the worship that we have felt and participated in, God. We're praying now, Lord, for the liberty of God to be in this place, Savior. We need you, God. We ask you for it, God. Come and speak with us now. We pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and you may be seated. Amen. 
When we talk about various human beings, and in particular characters out of the Bible, there is often one word that comes to mind when you bring up a certain individual's name. There is such a dominant characteristic in the life of that person that uh, very, very quickly you come to the same conclusion that I do about that particular person. When we say the spirit of Jezebel, amen, immorality is one of the words that comes quickly to our mind. When we talk about the spirit of Judas, a traitor, is certainly a subject that quickly all of us will have to agree on is a part of his life. Lot, the mere mention of the spirit of Lot is certainly compromise when we read the story of his life and we read the, the terrible, terrible things that he and his children and his family all went through. Every name has dominant characteristics that when you bring up somebody's name and you talk about them, that's what comes to your mind. I am next month going through a milestone in my ministry, a first for me, and that is that I am for the very first time going to perform a wedding of a son whom I performed the wedding of his mother and his father. And some of you are way past that stage, but that's an exciting thing for me because I can certainly remember what his mom and dad were like when they were teenagers. And I can remember now that his mom and dad have gone through all of the years and their spirit and their attitude and how, how they are. And it's pretty simple when you've lived a life around a family like that to be able to identify and say, you got the spirit of your mother. Amen. Or look at somebody and say, you got the spirit of your father. It's very easy for you to see how that these things bleed through in the characteristics that are there. The spirit that Samuel possessed is a tremendous spirit that all of us should desire. We should have a focus in our mind that said, God, I am interested in obtaining characteristics that will make me godly. When people talk and mention my name, I don't want uh, them to have to think of 35 different words before they think of the word godly, before they think of the word holy, before they think of the word prayerful, before they think of the word consecrated, the word 
dedicate it. Hallelujah. The word soul winner. Amen. I don't want them to have to think of a long list in the dictionary to try to figure out the spirit of the person that you and I are striving to be. And it so often is hidden instead of being transferred from one generation to the other. There is a careful masking of the spirit of the individual that is there with the attempt of trying to appease the generation that has gone before them. I read a book recently. You may have read it. I had not. It's been around for 20 plus years. A Pulitzer Prize book entitled The Good Earth. And in that book, if you've read that, you understand it's the story of a dirt poor Chinese man that had a yearning and a longing in his soul that he wanted some way to provide for his family. And he felt like that, that from that earth that he could farm and till and work hard enough and there would be a crop that his kids would not have to go as hungry as he did during childhood. And this man begins the long journey and he convinces uh, himself and others around him that you don't sell the land no matter how hard it gets, no matter how bad the storms come or the droughts come or the pestilence come or anything comes, uh, that the earth is the main thing and you stay in possession of that. Lose everything else, but hang on to that. And if you do, uh, you have a chance to bounce back regardless of any of the circumstances that are there. He attempts to try to persuade his own flesh and blood of the value of that and his own children, his sons in particular that he knows are going to inherit everything that the blood, sweat, and tears of a lifetime of sacrifice has given to him, that his sons are going to get it all and he is going to die off the scene. But he notices that there's not the deep love in the hearts of his own children for what he cherished and what he valued and what meant so much to him. And he tried his best to convince them that it's not all of the trinkets that your generation thinks are important. It's not there at all. It's this right here. You stay rooted to this. You stay grounded to this. And that will take you through. But the book ends, amen, in a terrible, terrible, tragic scene of the man that now had all of the money to be buried in the fanciest of cemeteries. But he took the children's mother and had buried her under a little hill that was out there in the middle of the field because that earth meant so much to him. And he told his boys, when I die, that 
that's where I want to be buried, is out there in the middle of that field. And he walked his boys out there. They were not interested in it. They had found easier ways, they thought, to find success and make money and fulfill all of their agendas of life. And there the two sons are looking at a tear-filled-eyed dad that's saying, boys, I am going to live the rest of my days out here in this little hut out in the field because this is where it's at. And when I die, bury me there. And he looks at his two sons and he says, sons, Promise me, promise me that you won't sell the land. And both boys behind dad's back wink at one another. And they say, we promise dad we won't sell it when you're gone. A powerful, powerful message in that little book. An incredibly powerful message, uh, amen, about life and kids that want to inherit properties and inherit bank accounts and inherit everything that a generation has worked so hard for, amen. They want to inherit it all, but they don't want the spirit of their daddy. They don't want the spirit of the generation that has gone on before them. They have no connection and no attachment. And they're not valuing. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, I know. I could take off and preach a whole message. Amen. About not selling the doctrine. Hallelujah. About hanging on to it uh, for your dear life. Uh, that when all of the fads come and go uh, throughout every church in America, the only thing that will last, hallelujah, is this beautiful one God apostolic message uh, that has been handed uh, to the generation that is yet to come. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I was so stirred up about these things and and knowing and realizing my own mortality recognizing you know after you've had heart surgery you realize you're not going to live forever and there's going to be a day that you're going to be gone uh, from off of the scene. And I, I, I'm just giving you my own story. Amen. I got so stirred up about it. Uh, till one night in service, I, I went and got my two sons, the only offspring that God has blessed me with. And, and I marched them up to the front. And I put my arms around them. Uh, and I preached to the church. And I told the church with both of my sons there, with tears streaming down my cheeks, I said, thank you, thank you for your love uh, for my two sons. Thank you for allowing them 
to be human. Thank you uh, for loving them when they made mistakes uh, and when they messed up. You have been all uh, that a pastor could ever ask for. And I appreciate that. You've allowed them, uh, amen, to grow, to blossom, uh, to develop. And I can tell uh, and feel the genuine love uh, that you have for both of my sons. Uh, I said, but I I wouldn't be surprised uh, if God hasn't laid His hand upon them uh, and if they don't both become preachers of the gospel. Uh, uh, But I said, church, I want to tell you something. Uh, If all they have inherited is my last name, it's not worth anything to this church family. If they have not inherited the spirit of the pastor that has blazed the trail before them, they have not inherited anything of any value. It doesn't matter what lands and what properties and what tithing accounts and what this or that or the other is left behind with tears in my eyes. Uh, I said, church, I'm telling you, uh, amen, I'm begging you while there's breath in my body, please do not allow either of these two sons of mine to ever become the pastor of this church if they do not inherit my spirit. If they don't feel the same burden to go to the prayer room uh, that you've seen in me all of the years that I've been here, you don't want them leading you. If you don't see the same spirit uh, and the same love for the doctrine uh, and for holiness uh, and for separation, uh, they've inherited a name, uh, but nothing more than a name. Uh, I said, not only do you not want them as pastor, you don't want them in any kind of leadership whatsoever in this church. Because the spirit of the man is the only thing that's worth passing on. The spirit of the man. The life of Samuel was a miraculous life. It was, you know the story of Hannah, his mother, a prayer warrior from the beginning. Hannah was barren. And as is always the case with all barren situations, you make a choice, you either become complacent and given to depression, or else you have desperate prayers and you see miracles happen in your life. And Hannah chose the latter. Hannah decided, I'm going to touch God. I'm going to get a hold of God, and God's going to hear my prayer. And that woman got at the house of God uh, and she got to praying earnestly, uh, getting in the spirit of prayer. Uh, and God looked down uh, and answered her prayer uh, and gave her that promise uh, of that child to be born. Uh, and that spirit, that 
was implanted within the life of that boy at a very, very young age is exemplary for all of us to look at. There are four characteristics of the life of Samuel that I have burning on my heart tonight that I want to share with you in this camp meeting. Amen. Number one, the spirit of Samuel is a spirit that stays connected to your spiritual roots. Oh, hallelujah. In childhood, a man, Samuel, had a spirit about him that said the spiritual roots that my mother and my father gave to me have got to be the same that I have deep in my heart. I'm telling you, we better get desperate about this because every generation has got the same evilly concocted idea in their mind uh, that says I can change just a little bit from where my mom and dad stood and not hurt the overall picture at all. Now I challenge you if a generation is 70 years, that's close to 30 generations since the day of Pentecost. And if every generation had liberty to change just a little bit, where would the apostolic church be today? If every generation had the right to disconnect with whatever portion of their spiritual roots uh, that they don't feel like uh, that that's my conviction too. If they had the right to do that, uh, where would it leave uh, the church of the living God? Uh, there are manifestations of pride in all of our lives. Uh, it said, I'm going to be my own person. I'm going to cut my own trail. Uh, I'm going to make my own decision. Uh, I'm going to do my own thing. Yes, I understand uh, all about that. Uh, but Samuel didn't have that spirit. Uh, and I'm going to show it to you in the scripture. Samuel had parents uh, that set an example before him uh, that said you give it all you've got uh, in your service uh, and your worship before God. Uh, when Samuel was born, uh, the offering that was supposed to be brought uh, unto the tabernacle that day uh, was merely to bring a lamb uh, and to bring it in an offering uh, back unto God. Uh, but the priest looked up and saw an entourage coming through the gate there of the tabernacle and said, whoa, open it wide because Samuel's parents walked up with three bulls and 17 gallons of flour that they were carrying that day. Amen. You talk about wanting to have a whole lot of chicken fried steak, brother. They were ready. Amen. And the priest looked at them and said, what's this all about? Amen. They said, around our house, we don't live by the minimum. Amen. We are 
going to go overboard, if you please. If God just wants a lamb, we figure three bulls and 17 gallon of flour ought to be enough for us to bring to worship at the house of our God. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, mom and daddy, if your child sees you skimping, they're going to skimp all of their life. Oh, hallelujah. But if your child sees you uh, going way beyond uh, anything that's required at the church, uh, you're going to have kids uh, that have the same spirit uh, that you have, uh, that said we're going to church uh, and we're going to give it all we got. Uh, We're going to give it everything. Uh, It might not be required, uh, but we're going to do it anyway. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Samuel was seven years of age, my friend, when the Bible said that he worshipped the Lord there. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know how a little seven-year-old kid learns how to do more than look at coloring books? Amen. And catch up on their reading during a church service. Is when they watch a mom and dad that are so engrossed in worship. Hallelujah. I looked out tonight uh, and I saw a bunch of men running around these aisles here. And I thought if I could come back 20 years from now, I know whose kids are going to be running the aisles in this church. You look out while the choir's singing uh, and you see who's bucking uh, and, hey man, dancing uh, and shouting uh, and praising God. Uh, and you know what kids uh, are going to learn how to worship uh, even at age seven, brother. Uh, they're going to be out in the aisle uh, doing it just like daddy did it. Uh, they're going to be doing it just like mama did it. Uh, they're going to be lifting their hands. Uh, they're going to be magnifying God. Uh, they're going to look just like him, act just like him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hey, hey, did you let your kids learn how to brush their teeth by just simply saying you need to do it? Every once in a while, you need to do it. Or did you march them into the sink and say, Daddy's going to show you how to do this. You don't need false teeth at age 35. Daddy's going to show you. Uh, Mama's going to show you how to get those pearly whites done right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. Do you think it's any different in the house of God? Uh, If you want a child that obeys God uh, and praises God with a dance uh, in the sanctuary, uh, they have to learn it from you. Uh, They have to learn it from you. Uh, They've got to see you loving God. Uh, They've got to see tears uh, coming down your cheeks. Uh, They've got to see your hands up in the air. 
there. Amen. Samuel had some roots that connected him to worship. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Bible said in chapter 2 and verse number 18 that Samuel, as a young child, was girded with a linen ephod. You study any books about the priesthood, you will know that the youngest that any man was allowed to put on the garments of the priesthood and wear an ephod was age 25. Oh, hallelujah. But God saw something in the spirit of Samuel. It said, Samuel ain't waiting until he gets married and has got a couple of kids before he sells out to God. Oh, hallelujah. Samuel, uh, amen, uh, he ain't waiting uh, till he finally gets out of the youth group uh, to decide that he's going to fire up uh, and really live for God. Uh, God said, go ahead uh, and give him. He's a young pup, uh, but he loves me with all of his heart. Uh, go ahead at age seven uh, and let him start wearing that linen ephod uh, and ministering uh, unto the Lord uh, in the house of God. God. Hey, you know how our kids are going to make it? Amen. Not just through high school, but I'm talking elementary school and middle school and junior high school. We're going to have to get them started awful young. Amen. We're going to have to get them ministering unto the Lord, magnifying God, getting plugged in in church, loving God, talking in tongues. Hey, you need to carry them out drunk uh, under the power of the Holy Ghost uh, before they reach the age of 12. Oh, yeah. Samuel, Samuel, all of the days of his life, he had a spirit that stayed connected with his spiritual roots. A spirit of Samuel. The second thing I want to talk to you about is Samuel, amen, if you've got the spirit of Samuel, it's a spirit that rises above the peer pressure of the day. I know it's real easy for us, real easy for us to say that our kids are facing more pressure today than any generation has ever faced. But I have to tell you that it was just as powerful in Samuel's young day as what it is today. And Samuel, amen, had to live in a pressurized, peer pressure situation where Eli's two sons lived in the same house that he lived in. They went to the same church that he went to. They were a part of the same youth group that he was a part of. And here's the boy that's connected to his spiritual roots, having to live day in and day out with some other young people in the youth group that are completely disconnected with anything 
that has to do with God. That are selfishly coming and with the hooks trying to force meat out of the hands of the worshipers that come. Two young men that the Bible said they were sons of Belial. They not only set a horrible example, but they brazenly did it all on the front steps of the church house. Scripture tells us that they were as immoral as alley cats. Yes, they were. Openly, not only bragging about all of their fornication, not only, amen, telling of their sexual exploits, but daring anyone to watch if they'd like to watch as they participated there. Amen. Chapter 2 of this book, verses 17 and 18, tells us, Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. For men abhorred the offering of the Lord. But Samuel. Oh, hallelujah. But Samuel ministered unto the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Samuel said, it don't matter if every other girl in the youth group is doing it. I am not going to do it. Oh, hallelujah. Samuel said that it just doesn't matter. Uh, amen. What the rest of them are doing at church, uh, I know uh, what the Bible teaches. I know uh, what my daddy's taught me. Uh, I know what the priest says uh, that we can uh, or we cannot do. Uh, I'm telling you, the problems that we're facing uh, in this last hour, I don't think we sometimes see uh, where the root of all of it lies at. The dinner table today, I listened to Brother Heyman make a statement that was very profound. The talk was about people that were raised in this, compromising and going off other directions. And he made the statement, he said, 95% of the time, the problem is immorality in their lives. Let me tell you what, when the inside gets dirty... It's awful hard to try to keep cleaning up the outside. When the inside gets compromised, uh, it's awful difficult uh, to keep trying to lift up the same standards uh, of holiness uh, and purity uh, and righteousness that's there. Uh, God help us. Uh, amen. We need uh, the spirit of Samuel Elder uh, to get on our young people. Uh, amen. That says uh, in the midst of all of the peer pressure, uh, I don't care what the listening to uh, on the radio uh, I don't care what they're seeing uh, on the movies uh, I don't care uh, where they're going uh, on the pornographic sites uh, I am not doing it uh, I am not going there uh, I 
am not doing it. I'm going to minister unto the Lord. I'm going to stay pure. I'm going to stay righteous. I'm going to stay holy before my God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. Samuel reached old age. We know a lot about the years in between. But time would not permit me tonight to delve with all of those issues. Let me just give you two, two incidences out of his old age. You know, old age is... An interesting time from all I've heard. Amen. I like the little story that I heard recently of the old fisherman that went out one day fishing in his boat. And he was casting the line there, just fishing away. And a frog jumped up on a lily pad beside him. And the frog opened his mouth and started talking and said, if you'll kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful woman. And he reached over and he cast out again and cast out the other way and the other way. The frog about croaked, you know, couldn't hardly believe that that didn't catch him. The frog said, excuse me, did you hear me? If you'll kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful woman. He baited the hook again, cast it out again. The frog was getting desperate, real desperate. Finally, he was about to take up anchor there, but he decided before I do, he reached over there and grabbed the pocket and stuffed the, or grabbed the frog and stuffed it down in his pocket real deep and closed back up the flap there. And the frog is kicking and carrying on as he's trying to get out. And he finally looks down there and hears the frog talking again. And the frog says, you must have not understood. I said if you would kiss me, I'd turn into a beautiful woman. He said, what you don't understand is that at my age... A talking frog is much more interesting than a beautiful woman. Go and learn what that means. Samuel. Samuel, the pages of his life have all most been written in its entirety. But we see Samuel in his elder years, the same guy, the same guy that stayed connected to his spiritual roots when he was young, who rose above the peer pressure of his day. Samuel shows us in his elder years that when you've got my spirit, you get angry over the things God is angry about. The spirit of Samuel is a spirit that causes you to get angry over the things that God gets angry about. They say the elder years will mellow you out. 
You ever met some people as they get old, they're grumpy, they're grouchy about really unimportant things. I mean, they could ever, ever, ever more get upset over somebody moving my Paula Dent. <laughs> over somebody messing with my Geritol. Somebody. Amen. But yet, they can become so passive about the things of God. They can become so complacent about the things that really matter. They can get to the place where they never lift in their voice like a trumpet anymore. They're never saying anything about anything at all. But the Bible gives us the story of Samuel, the day that Saul decided to spare Agag. And he brought him home when it was God's plan that all of the Amalekites would finally be wiped out. And the scripture tells us that they were as close as a whisker away. It was the opportunity. Every last one of the Amalekites had been killed. Uh, and they were down to just one. Just one. Just one. Uh, just one. And God's people uh, would never have to worry uh, about the Amalekites again. And something got in Saul's heart that just couldn't quite pull the trigger. That just couldn't quite give the order to kill the last remaining Amalekite that was there. The Bible tells us that he brought him home, back with him. I know there's no scripture for this, but I have read in the Torah anthology. The sages say that what really got Samuel stirred up was that Saul in trying to accommodate a fellow king, had him there, and Saul allowed him to take a little slave girl that was old enough to bear children to bed with him that night and to have sexual relationships as a king would have rights. It wouldn't be with a Jewish girl would be with one of the slave girls that had been brought in as a slave from a foreign country. And so it really wouldn't matter, would it? But something inside of Samuel said, Oh my God, no. No, you've got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding, brother. Them were in the days before birth control. Do you understand? Amen. If he sleeps with her and impregnates her, she is going to bear a child nine months from now. And what 
became so close uh, to wiping out all uh, of the Amalekites uh, off of the face of the earth uh, is that the next generation uh, is going to have to deal uh, with a bunch of Amalekites uh, that are going to be born again uh, and the lineage uh, is going to blossom again uh, and develop again uh, and the scripture said uh, that Samuel wept uh, before the Lord uh, all night long. Oh, oh God. I've been through some things in life. Amen. I buried relatives recently that I love dearly. I've seen the heartache of when your kids mess up. And I've wept my share of tears. But I have never had anything move me so bad that I wept all night long. Samuel, when he thought the tears were going to dry up, another wave of them would come back again. When he realized, no, 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 no. God wanted us to purge the Amalekites from among us. And he's in there sleeping with that girl. And oh God, we can't kill the baby. We can't abort the baby. It's going to have to live. And it's going to have to come forth. And the plague will still be among us. But he woke up in the morning and strapped a sword on his side. Oh, hallelujah. And walked in and called for Agag. I'm preaching about the spirit of Samuel. A spirit that said God is angry for what's been allowed to go on right here. God is angry uh, and I'm getting angry with him. Uh, amen. Uh, most old people that I've seen, uh, they do a good job just walking on their own uh, without a cane. Uh, I can't imagine Samuel uh, with a big old sword uh, in his hand trying to catch his balance uh, and trying to walk over there uh, looking at Agag uh, saying stand right there boy. Uh, you got it coming. Uh, and him uh, wielding that sword uh, and flying over with it uh, toward Agag and hitting him, knocking him down. He didn't say he'll bleed to death. The Bible said he hewed him in pieces, brother. He cut chunks of flesh off, and more chunks and more chunks and more chunks. Samuel, he's gone mad. Uh, he's gone crazy. Uh, how in the world? Uh, he's already dead. Uh, you don't have to do any more. Uh, let me tell you, when you get the spirit of Samuel, uh, hey man, you don't understand it, uh, but you get angry uh, about the things God uh, gets angry about. Uh, there is something that's stirs in your heart uh, that said if God hates it uh, I hate it too uh, and if God's counting on me uh, I'm going to put it to death uh, I'll do it uh, if nobody else will do it uh, we're going to obey God uh, we're going to do what God wants us to do you see Samuel could have taken the rationale 
of some of the people that I've met before, Samuel could have said, well, well, I'm not a policeman. And really, if it's not in Saul's heart to kill Agag, what good would it do anyway for me to rise up and kill him? I'm, I'm not supposed to get out of my place. I'm supposed to be a sweet old gentleman here. But what Samuel knew is every kid in Israel was watching him. Saying, I know Saul disobeyed God, but what did Samuel do about it? Did he let him slide? Did he let him by with it? What did Samuel do when the word of God was violated like that? You see, when a true God-called man takes up the mantle for preaching the gospel, he becomes God's law enforcement agency. Amen. Hang on. Some of you are acting like you're in the middle of the bumps looking for the wing of the plane here right now. Amen. Man in our church just recently prayed through in our church, and he's a sheriff, Los Angeles County Sheriff. And he told me just a couple of weeks after getting prayed through in the church and getting on fire for God. Now, it may be different from your parish, but brother, if you're a law enforcement officer in Los Angeles County, buddy, amen, you got plenty to do. Amen. You got plenty of arrests that you can make. Uh, amen. He told me, he said, man, they, my, my higher officers, they don't like it uh, on the job because he said, you know, man, I just got God and I, I'm feeling so good. And he said, my amount uh, of arrests that I've done is dropped and dropped and dropped. Uh, and they ain't one bit happy with it, Pastor. I said, what did they tell you? He said, uh, they finally looked at me and pointed at the badge uh, and they said that uh, if you're not going to enforce the law take off the badge I wish I could tell every one God apostolic preacher the same thing if you're not going to enforce God's law take off the badge Turn it in. Amen. Quit preaching. If you're not going to enforce what God said in His Word. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Amen. Samuel got stirred up, my friend. He got stirred up. I read the stories of Katrina terrible hurricane that you suffered down here. And I read a story that really bothered me about hurricane refugees that fled to the Superdome while they were trying to find a place of safety at the Superdome. Thoroughly exhausted from being out in the cold for nights and the rain and all of that 
They went to the place that they thought uh, they could find safety. But shame of all shames, there wasn't adequate law enforcement inside of that structure. And while exhausted mothers and fathers uh, conked out in sleep uh, thinking that we're finally safe, uh, their little children uh, woke up in the middle of the night needing to use the bathroom uh, and tottered over uh, to the public restroom that was there uh, and reports uh, of perverts uh, that were raping uh, and molesting their little children uh, inside of the place. Uh, that they came for safety uh, that they thought would be uh, a place that everything would be alright but there wasn't enough law enforcement uh, that was there Uh, let me tell you if you want a safe place uh, for your kids uh, you better find you a pastor uh, that has enough law enforcement uh, amen uh, around on the job uh, so your children uh, don't get perverted and don't get molested with other doctrines, with other gospels, with false teachings, with compromises. They thought, surely, surely, surely in this big of a building we'll be safe. Let me tell every parent in this house, The farther we get into this end time, you better quit thinking in terms of how large of a youth group your kids can be a part of. You better start thinking in terms of how safe of a place will it be for my kids. How safe of a place. Uh, When I'm not on that youth trip uh, with my kids, uh, how safe of a place uh, is it going to be? Amen. Oh, thank God uh, for one God apostolic preachers. uh, Amen. That make it up in their mind. uh, Amen. We're going to have a safe place. Uh, You don't have to spend the night out in the cold. Uh, Come on in. Uh, Your kids will be protected here. Uh, They're not going to watch pornography uh, in this place place. They're not going to get involved in the music that will defile their soul. Oh, yes. Yes. The spirit of Samuel is a spirit that gets angry when God gets angry. You see, my friend Samuel had a rare commodity about him. Pardon me for taking the time, but I can't get away from the burden tonight. Samuel had that ability to see beyond his lifetime. Can I tell you, you need to completely distrust any minister of the gospel that does not have the ability to see beyond their lifetime. I'm preaching truth to you if I make everybody in the house mad. Because Samuel could have easily said, I'll be pushing up daisies in the graveyard by the time that little embryo that's so microscopic, even a doctor couldn't tell for sure if she's pregnant today or not. 
It won't happen till after I'm dead and gone. The spirit of that king in the Bible that said as long as there's peace in my lifetime, that's all that I'm worried about. But Samuel said, not on your life. I'm looking beyond my lifetime. And I'm looking at what's going to come upon the next generation. And I've got an obligation before God. As long as there's breath in my lungs and I've got enough strength to pick up the sword, I've got an obligation to spare not. I've got an obligation to swing that sword. Hey, hey, if your pastor has to do it from a wheelchair, hey, man, you need to get up there and help him out. Say, go ahead, elder. Go ahead, elder. Go ahead, elder. Swing the sword. Get angry with the things that God is angry about. Get angry. Get angry. And the fourth thing, be seated. I'm almost done. The spirit of Samuel is a spirit that knows how to move on past the house of Saul. Saul was rejected by God because of his compromise. Saul knew it. Samuel knew it. It was just a matter of time before all of the people in Israel saw that he was rejected by God. Samuel could have got in a rocking chair out in front of his house and pined away. He said, I have memories of the good old days of Pentecost. I have memories of what could have, should have been if Saul just would have stayed on the right path. Anointed, mightily used of God. Oh, God, I wish, I wish, I wish. It was like the olden days. Maybe I'll go work on Jonathan now. Maybe I'll try to hit. Jonathan was always a good guy. Maybe I'll go work on him a little bit to try to spare some kind of a remnant out of the rejected house of Saul. Maybe, 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 maybe I can get things to turn around. Hear this preacher today. Hear this preacher. The road to compromise is a one-way street. And nobody turns around on it. Do you hear me? The road to compromise is a one-way street. And you can't tell. I know of people that have gone from not being strong to becoming strong. But you can't name me one person that went from strength to compromise and ever turned it back around. You can't name me one example of one person. Amen. And he looked and knew and understood that. He understood that when God stamped rejection 
reflected upon the house of Saul, that meant that was rejected. God was not going to change his mind. Amen. Samuel knew the pain of saying, Oh God, my prized pupil has backslid. He's not living for you. The elders came to Samuel and said, Samuel, it's not just Saul, but it's your own kids too. They've gone the other way. The elders told him the most painful story that I can imagine any godly man ever hearing. They said, your sons are not like you, Samuel. Oh, God. My hand-picked leader backslides and compromises. Now my own flesh and blood has chosen that path. Send me to a rest home where they can sing about the good old days and I'll pine away and die. But that is not what happened with Samuel, my friend. Samuel knew that when God rejected Saul, the Bible said the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. It just kept on sliding down farther and farther. No amount of mouth-to-mouth resuscitation that was ever going to bring it back. There was nothing. You know, I heard the aftermath of the story of Terry Shibo. I don't want to get in your business about however you believed and what the courts did and all of that. But a little-known news release came out several months after the autopsy was done on her body. And the experts proved that what the family was saying was signs of life was really not signs of life at all. They proved that her brain had so atrophied that all they were seeing was the nervous reactions and the fluids of the body doing their own little thing. But the family saw what they wanted to see, even though the facts said otherwise. They saw what their brain told them they wanted to see out of her. What are you saying, Brother White? You can apply it to to one minister or any group of ministers uh, that you want to, with or without an organization. But I'm telling you, friend, uh, there's a lot of people uh, that claim they're seeing signs of life that just aren't there. And they're seeing what they want to see. 
They're thinking what they want to think uh, about there being life uh, when there's really no life uh, that's there at all. Uh, hey, uh, hey man, we got to get that spirit uh, of Samuel. Uh, Samuel said, no, uh, I'm not going to try to keep Saul uh, on life support uh, just to keep him around. Uh, I'm not going to do it. Uh, God's rejected him. Uh, he's turned his back on God and he said you know what I'm going to do I'm going to get a hold of God and me and God are going to have a prayer meeting why because we got to get past we got to get past the house of Saul we got to get past that I'm not going to my grave a bitter old man amen claiming that God's not alive in the earth amen Samuel said I'm not going down in defeat Amen. He said, I'll tell you what. Amen. Just as sure as God is lifting his mantle of anointing off of someone, he's placing that mantle of anointing upon somebody else. And I gotta go find him. I gotta go find him. You gotta tell me, God, who are you anointing? The palaces and the blue bloods of Pentecost didn't produce the next anointed man of God. But the very next chapter, the very next chapter, with a childish grin on his face, hop along Cassidy, named Samuel, who's got a big bulge hanging out of his robe and everybody sees a smiling old man going down the road where where are you going Samuel what's up you'll find out soon enough where are you headed Sam hadn't seen you make a trip away from the house uh, in a long time I'll be all right hallelujah I'll be all right uh, where you what is that you got underneath there he said huh, huh you want to take a look uh, he said it's the horn of oil uh, that I've got underneath here uh, where are you headed uh, he said I'm headed to Bethlehem uh, what are you going to do at Bethlehem uh, I didn't know it uh, but God's been working uh, amen with slingshots uh, and lions and bears uh, God's been working uh, the whole time uh, the whole time that Saul uh, has been walking away from God David has been walking toward God and God has anointed another man to be the king over Israel and I can't wait to get there I can't wait to anoint him I can't wait to see the power of God fall upon him I close tonight if you'll stand with me as they come to the music to tell you that that spirit of Samuel is desperately, desperately needed in this last hour. The spirit of Samuel. A spirit that stays connected to your spiritual roots. A spirit that rises above the peer pressure of the day. A spirit that gets angry when God is angry. 
and a spirit that knows how to move on past the house of Saul. Said I wanted it to be Saul. I dreamed about it being Saul. I tried my best for it to be Saul. I did everything in my power to make it happen with Saul. Some of you might be here today with backslidden kids of your own. Your heart is aching. Tremendously aching. Some of you, when your kids rejected the standards of godly living and separation, something died inside of you. Said, maybe it's too hard. Maybe it's too straight. Maybe it's not possible for someone to live it. When it died in your heart about your own children, you forgot all about the druggie on the street that would love a chance to sing in a choir like we heard sing tonight. The prostitute defiled her body but is so hungry. Can I tell you, child of God, Whenever God lifts his anointing mantle off of anyone that won't live it, he's already got him somebody waiting to place that anointing mantle back upon. Because it's a world full of hungry people. No, we're not going to change our message. No. No. Get the spirit of Samuel in us. With faith looks forward. Said God I'm going to keep living it. I know what I was taught was right. I know what I had put within me was right. And I'm going to get that spirit of Samuel upon my life. As we sing I wonder. Are there people in this audience? Young children, teenagers, young marrieds, middle age. Are there elderly Samuels that are here who like to walk to the altar and say, I'm going to pray, Brother White, that God will keep the spirit of Samuel upon me until the day that I die. Do you want that spirit? Come as we sing together tonight. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. church in the earth has got to get the spirit of Samuel. Got to get that spirit of Samuel. Got to get it on us. Oh, God. 
from the cradle to the grave. I can't change, Lord. I can't change, God. Gotta live by your laws. Gotta live by your precepts. Oh, yes, God. Yes, God. Samuel cried all night. Can you squeak out a tear here at this altar? Do we have the capability of crying for just a moment? Sleeping with the enemy. Oh, God. The seed is being planted within them. We weep for that generation. Oh, God.
your hands all over this house all the way 